I have a Father's Day message for you here today. Several years ago, my my son and I, your pastor, and I went to Eastern Europe, to the country of Serbia, to preach a, uh, a uh, Eastern European Bible conference. And uh, while we were over there, uh, the women came to the men, and of course we were speaking through interpreters. The women all came to the men and said, uh, we want to ask uh, Bishop Meyer something. And so uh, they all gathered around, and he said, this is what they want to ask you. Why do the American women and all the Western European women wear their wedding bands and wedding rings on their left hand? In Eastern Europe, we wear it on the right hand. And they do, and they, when, they, when they said that, when he motioned that, like that, they all held up their hands like this, and their, on their right hand was their wedding band and their wedding ring. They said, we want to know why they do it backwards over in America and in Western Europe. And I said to them, and I remembered something that I had read about the British history, why the British walk on the left hand and do everything on the left-hand side. And it was because that the men, when they would walk on a road, they never knew who they would meet. They had their swords, and, and this is olden days, had their swords in their sheaths. And if they met an enemy, they could pull it out, usually everybody was right in and fight like this. But they always kept their family, their wife and family, on their left-hand side, toward away from the road. They always always the left. So I said to them, I said, because... Uh, the American men, the Western European men, think of the right hand as being your working hand and your protective hand. How you protect your family, how you defend your family, how you look after them with the right hand. You work this hand, and this one is for them. The wife, in return, thinks of her children. Her left hand is toward the children. Her right hand is her working hand and her working and, and to assist and work with her husband. And, uh, and I explained it to them like that. And I said, also, it's next to the heart. Everything. And they said, okay, we accept that. They like that. They, they clapped their hands and they went on their way. But I, am, I do want to talk to you here today. And I want all you women to relax. I'm talking to the men here today. I want you to turn with me here to Second, that's, uh, Second Chronicles 18.7. And I want to read one verse to you, and then I'm going to talk to you a little bit here about what's on the backside of your handouts. But if you look with us in this verse of Scripture here, for just one this is Second Chronicles. Let me put this on the board up where you know what, I, what we're looking at here. This is the, uh, the handout that you've got. This is what we're looking at. This is a Father's Day message. Remember that now. And I'm going to bump this up a little bit. Just... One more, maybe. And, uh, and then we're going to put, put the clear on there. And uh, we're looking at the very top up there where you look at the scriptures, where it says Second Chronicles 18.7, up right up here. All right. Now, I'm going to read that verse of scripture, just a couple of words here in that scripture. Look at seven to, uh, verse 7. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man. There is yet one man. 
Now, I'm going to give you a background to what they were talking about. And uh, he says, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord. And I want to talk to you here about this scripture here. There is yet one man. Thank God for a man of God that was present when there was nobody else standing for the things of the Lord. Now, I'm going to uh, talk to you a little bit here about, I'm going to give you a map here that's, uh, that's if you will uh, turn your map, your paper over, you'll see this chart here. You'll see this chart. It's on the back side. And if you look at this chart here with us for a minute, this is Palestine right in here. This is Palestine. This is the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, the Dead Sea. And uh, this is where that all the tribes of Israel were in here. Uh, this is Judah down in here. Each one of these colors represents one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Actually, there was 13 of them, but uh, Levi was mixed in with all the others and so forth. They had no land area. They were the priesthood factors. Anyhow, this was where they were all in. in. Now, uh, the chart over here shows you whenever Saul became king in 1095 uh, B.C., and he reigned for 40 years, and then the, he, he was killed in battle. The Lord gave the kingdom then to David, whom he had promised it to, in 1055 B.C., and he ruled for 40 years. When, when David died, he passed it along to his son Solomon. Solomon took it over at 1015, and he ruled till 975 B.C., these are dates here. And in 975 B.C., when Solomon died, the Lord had found fault with Solomon in the way that he ran the, the empire. It had become one of the greatest empires on the face of the earth under Solomon. And the, the Lord had given him great wisdom, great knowledge, and great understanding. And he had great wisdom that he used in so many things. He wrote the book of Proverbs, as you know, the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Songs of Solomon. He wrote those three books that's in the Bible. And so he didn't write everything, but he wrote most of the things that are in there. Now, the reason that I'm pointing all this out is to tell you here that Solomon was a very wise man, but his wisdom went beyond the teachings of the Lord in some things. The Lord said to him in one place, he said, don't go to Egypt for your horses or your wives. Now, Egypt is a type of the world. And it's a type of back then. He said, don't go back to Egypt for anything. You don't need Egypt. I'll give you everything you need in the land of Canaan that I'm going to take you to. Don't go back to Egypt for anything. Not for your horses or your wives. Well, one of the first things that, that, that Solomon did was to marry Pharaoh's daughter. When he built the temple, fabulously, fabulously built. Gold, silver, I mean, it was rich. Then he built his own palace. Then he built a palace for the daughter of Pharaoh, for her. She was a queen. Well, he didn't stop with just one. He thought, if I can marry this Pharaoh's daughter and Pharaoh and I will be friends and we will never go to war with each other, I'll marry the daughter of another heathen king. And he took her and they became friends. And no, no wars. And another one, and another one. He kept marrying all of these uh, these king's daughters. And uh, even though it was against the word of the Lord, he began to marry all these king's daughters and had all these wives so that he was friends to everybody. And everybody loved Solomon and all the other kings. said, this is my son-in-law. I wouldn't dare go to war with him. 
You know, just we, we just roll with the punches and so forth. And that's the way he ran his kingdom for 40 years. Toward the end of his life, however, when he was growing old, his wives would say, Solomon, we want a temple for our God, the one that we had when we were young girls, when we were young people back in our country. You know, will you do this? Would you get us a place in the grove? Would you give us a place up on the hill, in the woods? You know, whatever it was, Baal or Balaam or whoever their gods were that they want to worship. And so he began to allow it, and then he began to finance it. And he began to do this all over Israel, even though he kept the temple to be the main factor. And the Lord became very displeased with him. So in his own wisdom, he thought he was smarter than even the wisdom of God. Folks, nothing is greater than the word of God because it's greater than anything we may ever think that we have that's smarter than anything that God has ever said. Now, let me move on here. Because in Solomon's, whenever he died, the Lord said, because of your transgressions and having built all of these idols and these temples and these places of worship for these wives that you've got. Because of that, I'm going to divide your kingdom. It's one of the greatest kingdoms at that time, most powerful kingdoms on the earth, and I'm going to divide it. And so what happened was that whenever he died, his son, recall Rehoboam, took the southern kingdom and, the, and, a, and a servant of Solomon said, we're going to break away from you and have a northern kingdom and we're going to call it Israel. So Israel and Judah became the two kingdoms. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern was called, was called Judah. Judah represented the, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin and Simeon. And those three tribes in the northern kingdom was all the others that were given. Now, this white line that you see in here is where the dividing line was. And Jerusalem is right here, right here under the white line. You can't read it. I know you can see it on your map there. Uh, Jerusalem is right here, and it is uh, where, it's where the temple was. Now, because the temple was in the southern kingdom, even though it was up here in the northern end of it, Judah pretty well worshipped the Lord at the temple. But the Jews or the Israelites that were north of that up here could, did not want to go to the temple. They were afraid that they would get brought back into the southern kingdom. So the leaders up here and the king said, no, no, we'll give you somebody to worship. So they made golden calves and they got the people into idolatry. Now, I'm only telling you that to say that this chart on the right-hand side shows you here from that time on how that the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, reigned until 721 B.C. They reigned from 975 to 721 B.C. The southern king, Judah, continued to exist. They existed as sister nations. Sometimes they fought each other. Sometimes they were battling each other and fighting each other. Then sometimes they were in harmony with each other. And it all depended and so forth. The reason that Judah survived longer was because Judah had kings. Not all of them, only as time went along, there was fewer and fewer of them who would serve the Lord and have Israel to serve the Lord with them. Others would say, no, you go ahead and do what you want to do. If you want to worship Baal, you worship Baal. Go worship in the idols. Go worship uh, the groves. Worship any way you want to worship. Don't matter to me. I'm not going to tell you how to worship. So you had bad kings and good kings. Uh, Israel had all bad kings, starting with uh, Jeroboam and, and, uh, and winding up way on down there. And they had one called Ahab. Ahab was the one that married to Jezebel. And they were real rascals. Now, it was during this period of time 
that the good king over here in Judah and this, uh, and this Ahab over here in Israel, uh, got together. And so what happened was that Israel here had to fight Syria, which was a nation just north of them up here. And this, the Syrian king was going to come against him and he was afraid that he may not win this battle. So he asked Jer, as he, he asked, uh, the, the, the southern king, uh, uh, king, if he would, southern kingdom king, if he'd come up and help him to fight. And that was, that was who we we're going to talk about. So I'm going to read these scriptures to you right now. And we're going back to second Chronicles chapter 18. And if you look with us, chapter 18, and I'm going to read here the very first verse, 18.1. Now, uh, Jehoshaphat, this was the king of the south. He was a good king in favor of God, loved God. Now, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance, and he joined affinity with Ahab. Now, here's where they hooked up together. I'm jumping down here. I'm going to read on down verse 2. And after certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance and for the people that he had with him and prepared him to go and, and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. Ramoth Gilead was where they had to go and fight the battle. And Ahab, king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Wilt thou go with me to, uh, to Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in war. So Jehoshaphat committed himself to fight a war with this northern kingdom, go, to, go with them up to fight Syria, knowing that they would be able, more able to win if he went with them. And Ahab felt the same way. Now, a very interesting thing happened here. Look at A here. I'm going to move on down the, the list on the back side where it says, number two, the coming together of these two kings. If, I won't turn it over because I've got this map I'm trying to refer here to, or this chart. Well, let's, let's go ahead and do that. We'll come back to that. So, uh, number two here, the coming together of these two kings. Uh, Jehoshaphat desired to hear from the Lord. He said, and I'm going to read these verses to you, the fourth verse. And Jehoshaphat said unto King Israel, King of Israel, inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Find out how God's going to view this battle. We don't want to go to battle without God being on our side. Therefore, the king of Israel gathered together of the prophets 400 men, 400, look at that, 400 men, and said unto them, shall we go up to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we, for I forbear? And they said, go up. Oh yeah, God's going to be with you. These are the prophets of Israel in the northern kingdom. Yeah, go up. For God will deliver it into the king's hands. Verse 6, but Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah now, he looked around at all those prophets and realized none of them was a prophet of God, of the Lord. The word L-O-R-D, capital letter, means, means uh, Jehovah God. It's, it's speaking of the I Am. And, Jeho and, and Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord? Look, look at the capital letter. That means the one of the I Am, the one of Moses, the one that, 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 that he served. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not there here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? I'd like to hear what 
I, my God's got to say about this. You've got all, you've got 400 of these prophets from all different religions. I want to know what the Lord's got to say. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man. Now this is where my text is, folks. And there was one man in all of Israel that still stood for God. When everybody else had gone south, he was hard, pardon me, the expression, I guess it's an old expression. Everything else had gone south. He was still walking with God, living for God, serving the Lord and believing in the Lord and being a prophet of the mighty God of heaven. There's yet and there's one. And then he goes on to say in verse seven, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. This is now Ahab talking. He's talking to Joseph. I hate him. For he never prophesies good unto me, but always evil. The same as Micaiah. And this was the prophet's name, Micaiah. He was the one man. The son of Imla. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. In other words, I want to hear from this guy too. And so he called for him to come in and everything and said, I want to hear what he has to say. And when he and whenever they went to get Micaiah, they said to him, the other prophet says, now, look, Micaiah, we've all agreed. There's 400 of us. It's all agreed that they're going to go into battle and that everything will go smooth and they'll be conquerors and they'll come out victorious. Now, you go there with the same report. Don't go there conflicting what we've said. And Micaiah said, I can only say what God gives me to say. I can only do as God would have me to do. So he went there before them and they said, okay. They did a little dancing and they, and they put horns on their head and danced around and said, this is the way you're going to push the Syrians back and all that kind of play the game with it. And Micaiah knew what they were wanting. They said, Micaiah, what do you say? Yeah. He said, go up there to battle. You'll be victorious. Yeah. And then finally, Jehoshaphat said, Micaiah, we want you to tell us the truth. What does God say about this battle? And then Micaiah said, the Lord says that if you go up, Ahab, you will die. You will not survive. You'll, come, you'll lose the battle. You'll come home empty. The battle is not yours. And all the others made fun and light of Micaiah. And Ahab jumped up and said, you see what I said? He always speaks evil of me. You see Jehoshaphat, he doesn't speak well of me. That's just him. That's just him talking and everything. And they, they carried on about everything. And finally, he just said, take Micaiah and lock him up in prison someplace till I get back. Then I'll deal with this later. And Micaiah said, if you come back, I have not prophesied the word of the Lord. If you come back, you're not coming back. That's what he was saying in essence. Now, I want to jump over here to verse 30 very quickly with me. I'm going to finish this up. Now, the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots that were with him, saying, Fight ye not with small or great, save only or only with the king of Israel. Go after the king of Israel. That's the one we want you to go after. The king of Syria said that. Now, verse 33 and what happened was the king, that Ahab dressed himself up like a regular soldier so they wouldn't recognize him. So he went into battle looking like in a chariot like he was just a regular soldier. However, however, look at verse 33. 
And a certain man drew a bow at a, at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness behind his shoulder, right in his back. And he pulled that arrow, just shot it, and God directed that bear, and it came right down and it hit Ahab in the back. Even though he was trying, to, he disguised himself as a regular soldier so they wouldn't know who the king was and hit him in the back. Therefore, he said, this is Ahab now, said to his chariot man, turn thine hand that thou mayest carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. It goes on to say how the battle increased. Verse 34, that day, how be it the king of Israel stayed himself up in his chariot against the Syrians until the evening, the evening, and about the time of the sun going down, he died. Ahab died. Exactly what Micaiah had told him was going to happen. He died. And then verse 19, 1 says, And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. He said, Micaiah was right. I'm not staying here no longer trying to help out this northern kingdom. I'm going to go back to where I'm supposed to be, back in my own land. Now, I'm pointing all of that out to tell you here that this, these were the words of Micaiah, who was a prophet who told the truth. Now, I want to talk to you men today. You women can sit back and relax a little bit. And just let me talk to our brethren here. Men, this is a day and hour that we're living in that we don't need to be wishy-washy about anything. We need to be definite. Listen to me. This is Father's Day today. I'm talking to men. We need to be men of God. We need to stand for truth. We need to stand for what is right. We need to stand for holiness. We need to stand for righteousness. And we need to uphold our families. Remember this, you're the head of your family. It's just that little story I told about fighting for your family and fighting the enemy and also working for your family. That's that right hand. Work and, and, work and protect your family. Take care of your family. Men, take care of your family. Praise the Lord. Be a good father. Be a good husband. Be a faithful husband. A faithful husband. Don't play around with stuff out here in the world. This is what the world is doing. This is where the world is headed. I'm going to give you some things in a moment here to show you this world's in trouble. This world's in trouble. And it's time for God's men to be real men of God. To say the truth, to do the truth, praise the Lord, to be everything God would have us to be that we should be. Now, I'm going to look and see here. Men of God today, things we do and things we don't do. Things we do and things we don't do. There are certain things we don't do. We don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't gamble, we don't curse, we don't, uh, we don't look at pornographic stuff, you know. We, we just don't do that. You have to fight for your family. You have to fight for them. You have to fight for them. You've got to fight to keep the family together. God ordained the family. He ordained it. He ordained the church. He ordained the family. And the devil will fight the family. He'll fight the church. So fight for your family. When you get married, say, my wife, you're my wife. I'm going to look after you, take care of you, protect you. Praise the Lord, we're going to raise a family and I'm going to be a husband to you and we're going to just stay together and you be a good father to your children and a good husband to your family. It goes on to say here in this, uh, and see, a men of good faith, things we do and things we don't do, places we go and places we don't go. 
There's some places we just don't go. Praise the Lord. You just stay away from them. You know what they are. If you don't know, the Holy Ghost will tell you if you let him. If you let the Holy Ghost tell you, he'll let you. The Holy Spirit in you. Places we don't go. How we, uh, how we act out about and on our jobs. How we act, act out, out, out and on our jobs. Yeah, how, out, out in the office or the, on the construction site. How do we act? How do we, what are we out there? Do we tell dirty jokes? Do we listen to dirty jokes? No, 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 no. We're a Christian there as much as we are in the church or in our own home or among Christian men. In other words, be what we are to be wherever we are. Praise the Lord. And this is a man that God has given us in this church and in this world. The men that God has put this wonderful spirit in that we might be leaders, that we might be true worshipers of the Lord. Ahab never went back. So Micaiah, praise the Lord, they just let him out of prison. They have gone. He said, yeah, I know he's gone. And he went and he went on to serve the Lord the rest of his days. But I'm just saying here, they have never came back because he told the truth. We need to always tell the truth and be honest about everything that we do. So Christian men must, uh, how we act, how we act, and what we say and what we don't say. What we don't say, don't do. Don't tell dirty stories. Don't even listen to dirty stories. You know, it's just, I'm just trying to say here, folks, that if there's ever been a time that we need to really be men of God, it's the day and hour that we're living in. I told you women, you could all relax on this when I'm talking to the men. But this is an hour and day that we men need to be real, God-fearing Christian men. Stand for things that are truth. Stand for things that are right. Be committed to the Lord and the ways of God. Praise the Lord. Walk with the Lord with all of our heart and soul. So, Micaiah prophesied these things. And we are living today in troublesome times. Micaiah prophesied and fulfilled in Chronicles 18.30. I think, yeah, I read all those scriptures to you in 19.1. We read all those scriptures where they have. Now, let me just talk to you a little bit here from my heart. Uh, there are things developing in the world today, folks, that are crazy. Uh, I have uh, was looking at some things just the other day here, things coming on the news. Listen to this now. now listen to me. Uh, you probably know it because you keep up with the news, too. But Russia has given three nuclear weapons to the country of Belarus. Belarus is a country just north of... Uh, of, uh, of uh, of Ukraine, just north of Ukraine, it borders Ukraine, it's on the north side. And they're, they're tight with Russia, and Russia's giving them three nuclear bombs. This is how serious things are getting. They're starting to play around a little bit with these nuclear bombs. Are they going to use them? I don't know. I'm going to show you some things in the, in the, in the Bible here in a few moments. I don't know, but things are beginning to develop and things are beginning to happen. And so this thing is a very serious thing. And each bomb, each bomb is three times more powerful than the ones dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima by the Americans in World War II in Japan. Some of you remember, you read about it. This three times is more powerful. Three of them were given to this little country just north of Ukraine. It's like saying, Ukraine, don't push this too far because they can ride next door. They can, you know, come on and just blow you to bits. And if you ever did that, they'd start a nuclear war. You know that. So everything is, 
is getting touchy. I was uh, watching Netanyahu, uh, 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 Prime Minister Netanyahu on, on uh, uh, Yahoo, I mean Netanyahu, on uh, TV the other day, who is the Prime Minister of Israel. He was Prime Minister, then he was voted out, and now he's voted back in again. And uh, he talked about nuclear weapons. He said, Iran has the nuclear weapons. We have nuclear weapons. Now, he didn't say that, but I know they do, because I've read, you got a, I got a book on all about how they built it and all that. And uh, Israel's got a nuclear weapon, but they chose not to have it and not talk about it. And so they said, and he said this about Iran. He said, it's not if they're going to attack Israel, it's when they are going to attack Israel. When. And what he was saying is that when they do, we're going to retaliate. Wow, are you talking about nuclear war in the Middle East? That's what you're looking at there. That's what you're talking about. I'm talking about world leaders that's got one hand on the button over here, ready to push a button about atomic power. Are you with me here? This is not a time, brethren, for us to be go to sleep or to be careless or to be weird or half living for God. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a time for us to live for God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. Praise the Lord. China... Twice now it's provoked America by sending a ship in front of their ship and a plane in front of their one of our planes out on the China Sea, which is uh, international waters. And they did it in, to provoke America and everything. Now we're sending somebody over there supposedly to talk, but they don't want to get it too, too much. And they don't. So they're dealing with it like this, real funny-like. So where are we with China? I don't know. I know America is the most powerful nation in the world still. And the economy, our economy is the greatest in the world. But China is the next one right behind us. So I'm just pointing out to you here that all of these conditions here are happening in the world. The weather pattern in America today, you know, the Bible talks about how things will change like that. The weather pattern is getting crazy. It's getting crazy. I mean, it's not one thing if it's not smoke coming out of Canada that covers half the north, half of America, the, the whole half east, and at least the north, the northeast. If it's not that, it's the weather. It's the winds blowing across the plains and the, and the tornadoes that we've had. The tornado, we had a tornado watch yesterday. I don't know whether you or know it. If you live in Palm Bay, there's a tornado watch that happened yesterday. I don't know if it one hit or it was possibility it would hit or what, but we had all kind of warnings and all kind of electrical systems went out and all that kind of stuff right here in Palm Bay. And we're we're way down here on the edge of all of them. That's all the further north of us. Tornadoes have hit Texas and killed a bunch of people. And uh, I'm just saying that we've never seen weather conditions like they are today. Dry, yes. Also rainy, yes. Smoky, yes. Water being depleted, yeah, like in, in Montana. They said the water table level is dropping in, this, in the state of Montana. And people are now concerned about Montana. What's it going to be like 10 years from now? And I'm just trying to tell you here that things are not the same. It's, if there's ever been a time that we need to be ready to meet the Lord, it's now. Jesus is coming soon. And he's coming back, folks, for his people and us men need to be leaders and say, yes, we're going to walk with God, live for God, trust the Lord, and believe this book.
because there's a bunch of people out there that don't believe this book. They don't believe this book. Praise the Lord. I saw, I was watching some news on TV the other day. I was shocked to see this. I was shocked. Now listen to me closely. This is gay month. You know that. Gay pride. Gay pride month. June. They, they, they made that now. Just last year they became gay pride month. The gays and the fags and the lesbians are all hooping it up. Now they call themselves people of color. The rainbow is God's token to the to us that believe in him that he had never sent a flood again on the face of the earth. That's his promise to us. He'd never do that. Amen. But they use that to say this is gay pride. You know, they use it, all the color stuff. I'm just trying to say, and I saw this on TV the other day, and it was a, the White House threw a party for these people. They came to the White House, and they were all carried on like that. And they showed this on film. There was a woman and two men. She looked like she had a slip on. And when she got in front of the cameras, she pulled the top of it down. But they had it blocked off where you couldn't see anything that was important, that was shameful to see. And you could see her hands like this. I'm telling you the truth. She'd pat her hands like this and she's wiggling and dancing all around at the White House. On the White House lawn where they were having a big party for all the gays. And the two guys on each side of were jumping up and down. And they had wigs on and they had facial. And they were looking like half women, half men. You didn't know what they were carrying on. But they were two men jumping around. And they were carrying on like that. And I said, my God. And, and, and the president said about the woman that was on the TV that did that. Why, wow, she was so bold and so... Uh, so uh, forward, she, she, she just did it. You know, I mean, he complimented her on having the courage to do it. And I'm thinking how sick that is and how weird that is. And then I heard, I didn't see this, but I heard that in, in Los Angeles, at Dodger Stadium, they, at the halftime of a, of a football game, they had the gay parade and all the gays came out. And they were making fun of Christianity. They made, they had, they had men dressed up like nuns and they had scary looking faces and they, had, they dressed up like nuns to criticize them. And they were carrying the cross around and hanging on the cross like it was a, like it was a no-no thing. It was so bad until Catholics were out in the street demonstrating against what was going on inside of Dodger Stadium. Against the gays. I mean, Catholics, Catholics doing that because they're making fun of the nuns, making fun of the cross and so forth. I'm just trying to say, folks, that this world's coming down. And whenever the world gets into this, and, and the reason that you and I must know that this gay element will never be friends to, the, to God's people because it's condemned in the Bible big time, big time. New Testament, Old Testament. I can show, I can spend... Uh, the rest of the the rest of the time I've got here, just giving you scriptures in the Bible that oppose this, this against it. But I am just trying to tell you here: this is the day and hour that we're living, and you and I are walking with God and we're serving the Lord. And I'm trying to say to our men here: men, don't get wishy-washy now. This is not a time to get wishy-washy, but stand up for truth and stand up for God and be what we should be for the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, uh, I'm seeing things now about this artificial intelligence.
This is uh, something that you can keep your eyes open for. The Lord tarries. Uh, they have, if I understand anything, I don't know much about them because they, I remember them when they were, when I was younger, the Beatles. And there was one called John Lennon. Am I right there? He was a singer or the lead singer or something like that. I, I got it right. I don't know if I have or not. Anyhow, they have taken his voice, they, a song that he sung. They've written a new song and taken his song and broke it up into a zillion different pieces. The music and the words and put them all back together through, art, through what they call AI, artificial intelligence, and created a new song with him singing it. Him singing a new song that he's never seen, never sung before. But if you see it on the screen, it's him singing it. If you hear it, the or tape rather, I don't know about it's on the screen, but if you hear it on the tape, it's him singing it. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I don't know how they do all that stuff, but it's coming. They're warning us that this artificial intelligence is coming down the pipe. And what I can see out of that, somebody who's going to say, oh, I'd like to speak to grandma or great-grandma and see what she has to say about my problem. And some witch doctor or some hoodoo or whatever it is, go, yeah, we can call them up and through that system and they, they, they'll have her talking. And telling you exactly what you need to do, what you need to hear, what you need, where you need to go, what you don't need to go. And pure Satanism. Pure Satanism. And I'm telling you, folks, this is where this is coming. That's why you and I must stay with the Word. Stay in the Word. Stay faithful to God. Walk with God. Love God with all of your heart. Don't go to the left or don't go to the right. And I'm just saying that more and more we'll see things that will challenge our faith. Or that'll put us down. And you know, I don't, we won't see, I'm gonna give you some scripture here in a moment. We won't see the wrath of God, but we may see some persecution. We may see some persecution. And can we stand for God in persecution? Can we do it? Brethren, we must be the forerunners of this. We must be willing to do it. We must be courageous to do it. Stand up for the things of God and stand for the word and stand for truth. And I, I'm reading the Bible through again this year. I read it through last year. I hope some of you are reading it through. Praise the Lord. At the end of the year, we'll have a banquet, amen, in which we'll honor all of you that's read the Bible through. But I read it through every year. Each time is a little bit different than the others. Some of them go straight through. Some of them go, they, they move around on different books and take us through it. But they follow the, the events that happen as they go through. That's the way it's doing this year. But I'm just trying to say here, stay with the word. And the word is so precious. It's so pure. It's so valuable. It's so right. And over and over and over and over, it says to us to believe the word of the Lord, that God created the heavens and the earth. There, there's, there's, no, there's no people out there in outer space. There's not another planet loaded down with people and they're looking for some place to go. That's crazy. That's man's imaginations. Amen. They got all kinds of things they're talking about. But I will tell you that as time goes along and we draw to the end, there's going to be some things that will happen to this earth. There's going to be some bombardments that will come out of the heavens that will hit this earth. Now, let me give you some scripture over here. I want you to go with me to uh, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians. And uh, I've got five minutes. I'm going to wrap this up now. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. Verse 4, 
But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light. He's talking to the church now. And the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. I'm jumping down to verse 8. But let us who are of the day, that's the church now, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Look at verse 9. Look at this closely. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. Look at that. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not appointed to wrath. Now, if I take you over to the book of Revelations, chapter 6, and it talks about the four horsemen of the, of the, of the apocalypse, and it talks about these four horses, the white horse, the red horse, the black horse, the pale horse. Each one of these horses represents something coming on the earth. The red horse represents a war that's going to happen on the earth, a great war that's going to be fought. That's probably going to be a nuclear war. And then the black horse represents... Uh, famine and troubles and people dying. The pale horse represents people dying, brother. And one-fourth of the world population will die in verse 8. You know, I won't go any further with that. That's a study in itself. I'm just telling you the things that are coming on this earth because God has already spoken it. It's in the Word. It's going to happen. And Jesus said, when you see these things begin to come to place, then look up for your redemption draweth nigh. And then when we read the last verse in uh, chapter 6, verse 17, For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? The great day of his wrath. And it's talking about the things now that's just happened in the 6th chapter and what's going on into the 7th chapter. And I point you back over here to this one verse in First Thessalonians where it says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So the wrath of God that's coming on the earth and all these signs that we begin to see now, praise the Lord, is what's going to happen. And there's going to be all kinds of things. I've heard some stories now about people seeing things out in outer space, but they're not talking about it because they don't know yet what it's going to be about. I'm talking about things coming our way. I don't know, and I don't know how long we've got. And, uh, but I don't think we've got very long. The Bible says Israel shall be blinded for two days, and the third day I'll raise her up. And Israel now has been scattered, and they've been blinded as Jesus as the Messiah for 2,000 years now. A day with the Lord is 1,000 years, 1,000 years is one day. And Hosea 6, 2 says Israel should be blinded for two days, and the third day I'll raise her up. And we're into that third day. Now, I'm just pointing out to you here, folks, that it's time for the Lord to come back. And it's time for the wrap-up to come. And to all of you men, God love you. God love you. Praise the Lord. I appreciate God-fearing men. Stand for God. Stand for truth. Stand for holiness. Stand for righteousness. And just keep standing for the Lord. And stand with your family. and Uphold your family. Praise the Lord. Uphold your wives. Uphold your children. Keep them serving the Lord and walking with God and believing the Lord. And one of these days, one of these days, we'll see the results of what we do that's right. And if the Lord doesn't tarry and he comes, we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, folks. And whatever God has prepared for us is greater than what our minds can even grasp or even begin to comprehend the greatness of God for the church. Let's stand together and give him the praise and the glory right now. God bless you. Lord, we love you so much. 
Thank you for the men in this church. Thank you for all the sisters in the church. Thank you, Lord, for your people in every way. Thank you for the youth. Thank you for the children. Thank you, God, for your many blessings upon us, God. Thank you for the grace of God that you've given us. We who are, who are not Abraham's children, Lord, but we are children through faith. He's a father of faith, and we're the children of faith. God, we ask you, Lord, to bless your people today. Bless the morning service as we go into it in a few minutes. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord.